Found it right up. What is up, FGT Nation? How what, we doing? What is up? What is up? I think every time we do an intro, that's your go-to. Is what is up? What well, is up? The problem is I stutter, so I just go. I we I just tried doing something else I'm and just, shunned it right I'm up. Just saying, yeah, we deleted that real quick. Coming at you live from GTI Studios. GTI Studios. We can be wherever you need us to be. What's up, fam? We now, do birthday parties. We do business conventions. Bar we, mitzvahs. You we name do it. Everything. Quinceañeras. Bat mitzvahs. Let's do it. So, Sean, I'm going to start you off with a question, okay? All right. In honor of our episode. Is this a one, two, three? No. No? All right. No, I'm going to make you pick between two people. All right. So, it's a one, two. It's a one, two. All right. And it's, you know, the Chiefs have a, in my opinion, All right. a shitty running game right now. So, I'm going to bring it back to when they didn't. Okay. This was a big debate, a hot debate when I was a kid. You know, as are football fans. Are we you didn't... about to ask me Priest Holmes or Jamal and, Charles? No. All right. Similar. Okay. One of those two is involved. We didn't care about Red Sox Yankees. We cared about did you did you like Priest Holmes or Larry Johnson? Ooh, Priest Holmes. Oh yeah. All day. I feel like Larry Johnson just Larry Johnson, he did it for me, but Priest Holmes was just a, a whole nother thing to watch. For me it was the it was the added level of disrespect he had when running through you. Running through you. Let's uh let's keep this rolling. Let's try to do as minimal cuts as we can. Uh, that way the FGT gets a better feeling of how we flow. We're going to give a quick shout out to our boy Justin Dennis, who not only hooks it up with the promo code FGT20, where you can get 20% off some stylish fucking sunglasses, a hoodie, maybe a bracelet, look good during the summer, what you want. He is also a dope-ass Patreon member, getting a fresh slice of fucking pizza. Getting it. Make sure you check out Slick Shades. Also, shout out to both... Kristen Michelle for the Patreon membership. Ooh. Ooh. She loves me. Sometimes. Yeah. Not me. Damian Winslow at Infected Concepts coming in with any graphic design needs you might have. He killed it on our logo and our merch. He can kill it for you, too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Damian Winslow, my man is making a musical journey. We Ooh. wish him the best of luck. Uh, you could check him out. He's got stuff all over his Facebook pages. Um, speaking of musical journeys, Wait, hold on real quick. Yes, Damien, we are willing to do collabs and, you know, some yeah, samples. Bro, Let I us got, know. I got some sick flows for guys named Joe. It's kind of like Hull. Andy Milanakis, but better. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Don't call me a cheesehead. Um, Back to good music, though. Shouting out Andy Cosby. We hooked you up two episodes in a row with two different songs from Chrome Roses. And guess what, FGT? You get number three. Oh, coming in with number three at the end. Yeah, Chrome Roses. Any way you listen to music, get your taste buds a lap of luxury with some rock and fucking roll. Speaking of rock and roll, let's rock and roll right into that fucking intro. So we are coming at you with our top 24 running backs this week. We did receivers last week. I thought we were doing fullbacks. I was going to, but we all know that it's Mike Allstott uh, for all I, 24. I, I just I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? Maybe we get a Peyton Hillis this year. 
but I, you know, I, I highly doubt it. Or Kyle, is it you? You check. You check. You check. Yeah, he's still he's still playing. I know, and he's still the top he's fullback. Still, yeah, he's still the best fullback out of the three out in the there. league. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it's so fucking true. But like Matt said, we're gonna come at you with our top twenty-four running back special episode tonight. Is gonna be twenty-four, twenty-five. 25 is the honorable mention. I forgot 25. Yeah, but we're going to go all the way up to number 13. Lucky number 13. It's a good number. So uh, we, we're going to roll right into it. We're going to get you started as soon as Matt's done fucking around with the computer. It's and, fun to fuck around. And, and making my eyes go everywhere. We're going to kick things off with number 25 with a hot rookie sensation. The first running back drafted in the draft this year with my man Brees Hall playing for the Jets. You got any intake on Brees Hall? You want me to keep running? So, I mean, you've kind of told me most of my information on Brees Hall, and then I, I, I you know, use the old Google majigger, you know, <laughs> watch him a caller. And uh, my only concern with that, is besides that the Jets being the Jets. The best source of accurate information? No, it's uh, White Adam Schefter on Twitter. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that, that is an actual handle. I'm not joking. It's a real handle. I know. But, I, I follow him. But, uh, one, the Jets are the Jets, but two, I know Michael Carter is smaller and not the, the physical guy that we're seeing, but a lot of teams in, in, in the NFL nowadays are trying to go with that one-two combo of the strong lead back with that complimentary shifty guy that can catch passes and all that. I know Michael Carter Jr. didn't show up with you know, amazing hands out the gate, but I feel that he showed enough his rookie year to then warrant, you know, to warrant the need for you know, for New York to give Brees Hall and him both options, especially because they lost Jamison Crowder. I mean, they, their receiving core isn't nearly as strong as it should be, and Zach Wilson's still a question mark. So I think your best bet for him, because they've signed some, you know, they've signed I think two not, notable tight ends. If they're smart, they try to get Brees Hall and Carter Jr. involved both, and then rely on those tight ends as safety blankets to give Zach Wilson the confidence to actually extend it and go for those big plays. Those tight ends he's talking about are C.J. Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. Thank you. Uh, Uzoma is an old guy, and Conklin is a young guy who is on my breakouts for tight ends this year. Um, Brees Hall, a lot of the times when you look at a rookie, you follow the draft capital, and the Jets spent a lot of draft capital in making him the first running back off the board. I mean, granted, it was early second round, but the way they were poaching dudes off the first round, the way they were going after it in the draft, uh, Brees Hall, I think, eclipses 1,000 yards this year, rushing, hands down, no problem. Um, Damn. Yeah. I'm calling my shot right now. He just... I actually had him you, at 21. How are you going to drop the hot take? I had First guy! <laughs> I had him at 21. Matt didn't even have him ranked. That didn't even throw him on the list. At least no. I softened up the B-hole before Jalen Waddle. You just said <laughs> Brees Hall. Now, I knew he was running behind a bottom-tier, you know, offensive line. Uh, but Brees Hall, I think, showed enough in his collegiate career. And the fact that he's over six feet tall, I think he, I think he weighed in at, like, 230. You know what I mean? This kid has the intangibles to just be a ground-and-pound, stuff it down your throat. Um, I, th- I think he shows it. I think he comes out. I think it is his role to lose. Uh, Michael Carter did show promise last year. I don't think he showed enough to command a big enough workload to make Brees Hall irrelevant. Um, I think Brees Hall, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, 
take away quarterbacks because usually they win it. Uh, I think he could be offensive rookie of the year. So to clarify, Brees Hall is 6'1", 220, which is still a thick son of a bitch at running back. I Ten just, pounds off, my bad. He, he took I, a big shit at Wayne. I just can't believe that first guy out the gate, you just want to throw the hot take out there. I did. Now, I'm going to lead us in to number 24 because mm-hmm. I feel some, you know, a certain kind of way about this this gentleman. I think we both do. I, I had him last year, uh, I think at one point, at the, end, at the end of the season, and I wanted him to do so good. I wanted him to do well. He put up numbers to do well. Statistically, when you break it down, he had the, his best yards per carry and yards per reception. But he just – there's so many factors on that team that took away from him getting zero touchdowns. We're talking Miles Sanders in, Phil, in Philadelphia, number 24. Number 24, Miles Sanders. I had him ranked at 26. I had him and, at 21. Yeah, the the only reason why it slid Miles Sanders down – originally I had him up higher. I had him in like the 2021 category. Um, the only reason why I slid him back wasn't just for the touchdown regression because uh, he got none. So, obviously, he's he's going to have upside going into the touchdown category this year. Um, if he regresses any farther, we're giving him the Reggie Bush Award. They didn't get rid of any running backs in that backfield, so that didn't help him. And the same aspect, they didn't add. So, obviously, it doesn't take away anything. But you have Jalen Hurts, who's going to be in a prove-it year. So, I think they're going to pass a lot more. Um, typically, you would see that feed into the running back, you know what I mean? Quick screens, dump off, safety blanket, which would benefit Miles Sanders. However, you go from having a, a amazing rookie in Smith on the wideout, and then you add, I'm still fucking flabbergasted that Tennessee moved on from him, A.J. Brown to the mix. Now, I think that takes away a massive target share, and I think that increases Philly from, you know, kind of like a 50-50 pass run team to more of a pass heavy, we have to get these guys fed. We're paying A.J. Brown a fuck ton of money, and Smith is going to command his own target share. And then you toss in Goddard and all these offensive weapons. I think Miles Sanders does have touchdown upside, but I, I think he levels out and finishes. You know, I have him at 26. You have him at 21. Um, I think he finishes right where we got him. I think he finishes at 24. I think he's leaps and bounds above where he finished last year at 44 in a full PPR league. So I'll be honest. I think that Miles Sanders, it would not surprise me if Miles Sanders got his way into the top 20 for me. I, it's it's for, a for great the to- possibility. He's a good running back. I see a little more a little more upside for him yep. in the aspects. For the, for the same reasons you gave, different reasoning for it. I think that with the addition of, of A.J. Brown, with how well the running backs did last year, yeah. collectively and individually, I think that, you know, with the coaching, you know, there and, and all the you know, disorder there, you're going to see the coaching staff come out and tell Jalen Hurts, listen, we have, we have running backs. We have receivers now. We need you to be the quarterback. They have Gardner Minshew. Behind, you know, behind him. I pray for the love of all things that are holy. Give Gardner the fucking ball. Just put Gardner at center and trade Jalen Hurts to a quarterback needy team because I don't think you're going to get more for Jalen Hurts right now than you ever will. No, and and I think if Gardner Minshew gets a chance, I think that Philadelphia is poised. I think they have the quarterback for a scrambling team. But the team for a pocket passer, exactly. I think they're yeah, exactly. they're set up perfectly for a guy like Minshew who can move around back and forth enough to kind of see people, but it doesn't scramble at all. 
you know, let him come in, give the ball off to Miles Sanders on the first down, you know, maybe second down if it's second and, and, and decent. Yeah. But, or throw it to A.J. Brown. Stop letting the quarterback take those running opportunities. I think, I think, I would not be surprised if after game one, if Jalen Hurts comes out and still plays that hero ball that he tries, you see Minshew start game two, and you see them say, listen, those running opportunities that Jalen Hurts was getting, they're going to our running backs now. Yeah. So I think that you'll see a quarterback change, and those quote-unquote lost touches because of the receiving game, now get back into the mix because your your quarterback is no longer taking those touches. I would absolutely love that scenario to play out. And just from hearing you talk, and I don't know what triggered it in my head, I was trying to think of a good place for Hurts to land. And uh, you know who? I like him in Seattle. You know who really misses a scrambling quarterback, and I think they would be happy with him. Atlanta. Yep. Yep. Uh, I forget where I heard it. So this is just not verbatim, but this is just memory. Um, I think Jalen Hurts has more rushing upside in the short amount of time that he's been at center. I think he's put up better numbers than Michael Vick. So you're telling me that maybe a team that has an, a young running back, a veteran scat back type player, and a young potential rookie or, or second year sensation at tight end could really go with a, a quarterback that could run option plays and short dump off options i think that would I i'm think just spitball i think just that would look sexy in, in atlanta but let's not stick too hard on miles sanders no because we're only at 24 let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and go from east coast to west coast we're gonna take a nice little flight out to san francisco and we're gonna bring you elijah mitchell coming in at 23 Eliza Mitchell, I had him at 24. I had him at 22. Consensus, we put him at 23. I feel really good about that landing spot. Uh, he does have, you know, a top offensive line and the seventh-ranked offensive line going into the season. Obviously, guys get hurt at OTAs. They get hurt at, you know, uh, training camps, preseason, all that shit. So everything's going to adjust uh, as the season goes on. But right now, he's got one of the best offensive lines. Uh, he's coming off an injury-plagued rookie season. Uh, he wasn't the guy from the jump. It was uh, Raheem Mostert. And as we all saw, Raheem Mostert, I think, ripped off one play for 20 yards. And we were like, oh, my God, like, this dude's nasty. We and need then some kind of nickname for him involving mustard. Mustard, <laughs> mustard. It just, come on. Munster. Munster no. cheese. Oh, God. Because he's fucking soft. Raheem Mustard. Raheem Mustard. Deli Mustard. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Mostert got hurt. Uh, they, they had drafted Trey Sermon, and everyone going into the season was like, Trey Sermon's the hype. Trey Sermon's the new guy. And as we know, Shanahan don't give a fuck what kind of draft capital, I'm looking at you, Trey Lance, that he spends on a guy. If you ain't the hot hand and you ain't proven ready, you're going to sit your ass down and you're going to learn. I think that spoke volumes with Trey Sermon. He said, I don't like this kid. You know what I mean? We did draft him. We spent a lot of capital on him. I'm not feeling him. So you get to ride the bench, my son. And they did that exact mentality with a guy named Brandon Ayuk, who coming into the season, we all thought was the clear cut wide receiver one last year. Coming off that breakout season, you, you didn't expect what we all got from Debo because of injuries. Um, 
Elijah Mitchell, like I said, we got him at 23. I feel really good about that landing spot. How do you feel? Well, before I get into that, there's two things you touched on that I'm glad you did. First and foremost, these are what we consider way too fucking early rankings. Oh, yeah. There's still so many variables that could happen that could quickly change. I mean, you know. Uh, right, just hear Tariq, me out. Tariq yeah. Cohen literally was doing a workout and <laughs> tore his Achilles. Like. So, so just hear me out real quick. Just just a hypothetical. Damian Harris for the New England Patriots is a fucking phenomenal ground and pound running back. The Patriots have way more running backs than what we need to do with. They did not pick up Damian Harris's option. That 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 says that, you know, come training camp, you know what I mean, guys move around. What's the chances of San Fran not liking what they got in the backfield? And then they move Damian Harris out there. I don't have Damian Harris in my top 24. Spoiler, but had he gone to San Fran with that line, I'd move him up to top 15 or maybe, overnight. Or maybe if he joins Kenneth Walker in Seattle, do a yeah. little one-two combo. You know what I mean? Something like that. Guys move around. Guys get injured. Training camp, yada, yada, yada. These are so, these are out way too fucking way early. Way too fucking early. Way too fucking early. Second, and this is kind of, Eliza Mitchell is kind of going to be the start for me. You'll, you know, and Sean and I talked about this off air and before this. My list is very influenced by injury history and and age. Yeah. Um, there's guys that I would love to put higher. There's guys that I want I wanted to put lower, but it just didn't make sense. And Elijah Mitchell is the start of my examples in that. He's young, nothing but great upside, but he just he just got hurt. Yeah, and it, he, it was a he lot got of small injuries, and not they even that. They add up. He was in a backfield that was full of small injuries. Yeah. So you know, if Mostart hadn't gotten hurt, what happened? If Sermon didn't get put in the doghouse, what happened? So you factor in the crowded youth in that backfield, mixed with those lingering injuries. That you know, it's different for receivers. It's different for quarterbacks. Running backs, when they get the ball, they're getting punished every time. They're getting hit oh, yeah. by big dudes. Those yeah. lingering injuries fucking linger. There's a reason why running backs are a premium in fantasy football. And in real life, running backs are so interchangeable. And here one day and gone the next on NFL teams, it's because of the abuse their body takes. They have easily the lowest career trajectory as far as like how long they'll play for. Yeah. Their prime is something like two to three years. And then after their prime, they got like two years before they're considered garbage. Yeah. Unless you're Frank before, Gore. Yeah, before you become a change of pace back or you're just a veteran looking for a cash-in on a fucking desperate I mean, team. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. He went from being the top of the world to sitting out a year to nobody fucking wanted him after yeah. the Jets. It was just like, how do you not want someone that, that has that finesse behind the line, can see those gaps, can move around? And then the and change year, speeds at yeah, full speed. Took a year off, and then when he came back, he showed the first couple of games, if memory serves correctly, that he still had it. And then the whole experience with the Jets was just garbage. And then he went to KC, and it was just garbage. And so, just everything got real yucky real fast. So that's kind of my, my point with the injuries is with running backs specifically, this is why I, I really factor injuries you know, a lot more than most positions it's the it's the position where it's so easy for you, for one little injury two little injuries three little injuries to really stack one up and next injury two literally little injuries three little and then injuries ne- then you fucking yeah done. then your career is done <laughs> and you've been replaced because teams can't afford to wait for you to to heal back up look at i mean look at rashad penny and chris carson in seattle too yeah you know what i mean they were supposed to be the guys for so long yeah 
I don't know. It's, speaking of injuries adding up, we're going to go ahead and move on to 22. 22. And uh, this team was just absolutely decimated. My heart goes out to Baltimore. Gee, it, it hurt. It, it, <laughs> it hurt me. It hurt everyone. I don't know how many times. I'm in a bunch of leagues. I don't know how many times I went into the draft, sat down, and someone took J.K. Dobbins. We went home, and then it was like he tore his Achilles. Didn't Gus I mean, Edwards get drafted, and then like three and, seconds and, later he got and, hurt? And then after J.K. Dobbins went down, we had our draft. And right after, I think it was Joey Nelson took him, Gus the Bus Edwards, literally at the table, and it's like he, he tore his ACL. We all got the notification at once. And it was just one after another, after another, after another. And you thought they had something with that kid, uh, what was his name, like Terrence Mitchell? Yeah, something like Tayshawn Mitchell, uh, Tyson Mitchell, something like I, that. Something. I, I can't think of his name real, right, right off the rip, but he looked good coming in. And then they did nothing with him. And then, I don't know, it was just a fucking mess. But uh, we got J.K. Dobbins at 22. I had him at, at 24. I had him at 23. Uh, he's running behind the sixth Beth. Sixth Beth line. Sixth Beth line. Gee Willikers, Dad. Yeah, he's running behind the sixth Beth. Sixth best oh line. Oh, my God. You got this. I believe in you. Sixth best line. Yeah. In the NFL. Proud um, of you. You know what I mean? Him coming back healthy, Gus coming back healthy. They're going to be a good one-two combo. Um, obviously, Baltimore, the fan base, everyone in the world wants Lamar Jackson to run a little bit less and become more of a passer. We saw that last year, but that, I think, was due to lack of running backs. So he had to pass. He had to you know, make some moves. Um the only thing that hurts J.K. Dobbins, and when I say hurts, I mean like stubbed your toe type of hurt, is that Baltimore went out and they grabbed Mike Davis. Old man Mike Davis. So After Atlanta, just flat out cut him. So I don't think Mike Davis will make it out of preseason, to be honest with you. I, I, think, I, he, think, he I think he's. I think they're one of those guys, they're one of those teams right now that because of all those injuries, they're going to stack up on running backs. Yeah. I think realistically, um, the well, only. Well, he's a solid, safe veteran. In that back. He's a body. I, I think they get, yeah, I he's think he's going to be third on the depth chart. And I think his sole purpose there is just to learn the playbook. Yeah, I don't think he'll take touches at all. My biggest concerns with with uh, Miles Sanders are, or, uh, are, with J.K. Dobbins. We can do it. With, with, with J.K. Rowling is yeah. uh, the Harry Potter series. Yeah. No, is that. They kept him under the stage. They have Gus Edwards and you got Lamar Jackson. I mean, we talked about Jalen Hurts taking, taking carries. Lamar Jackson takes carries because he fucking can he yeah he's fucking unreal he sees an legs. opening and takes off it he that, is the konami code he is the human joystick yeah so at that you know at that point with his ability to just at any given point decide that he wants to score an 80 yard touchdown because fuck you partnered with gus the bus being that bus type player in baltimore statistically being that gritty team yeah I think that that could potentially hinder gus edwards but at the same time or jk dobbins with gus edwards but at the same time, I think that it's J.K. Dobbins's touches to lose. Oh, yeah. I think he's poised in the front. I think he's athletically... Gifted ha- in the back. Just mm-hmm. seeing his ass. Packing heat. <laughs> no, I think he's just athletically hands ab- and feet above like Gus Edwards and everyone else on that roster. As far as running backs, I think that he has potential to be much higher than we have him ranked. But with those injuries at such a young age, we need to wait and see how he comes back from that. He is actually one of the most exciting players that I can't wait to watch. You know what I mean? I, I just, 
I'm excited to see what could have been last year, this year. You know what I mean? I well, want to see him do what we thought he could do. Well, speaking of uh, what could have been, I'm glad you said that. That leads us into our next running back. 21! 21! 21. Legal drinking age. We got, and I'm going to need you to correct me on this one because you know I'm going to say it wrong. Travis Etienne Jr. High five. Hey. High, good job. Pat's on back. Pat my own fucking back. Pat's on back. Playing for Jacksonville. You had him at 22. I had him at 23. He's playing behind a garbage line on a shit situation last year. I think he even came out and said something along the lines of, if I was going to get hurt and miss a season, that was the season to miss. Yeah, he literally came out. Like, I'm not even, I'm I'm barely paraphrasing. If there was ever a season to miss, it was last year. You know, there there was that Urban Meyer fucking catastrophe. Um, You know, talent-wise, they have talent. Trevor Lawrence can't is a is a damn feasible quarterback. They have you know LaVisca Chenault is good. If healthy, I think they have one of the deadliest one two running back combos in the game of oh, yeah. James mean, Robinson and, and ETN. I love James a, Robinson. Yeah, it's gonna take a little while for Robinson to come back if he even comes back this season. Which is why I have ETN kind of hanging out at 21 because that's to me a big factor. If Robinson comes in comes back you know after the halfway point or later on that'll obviously end or lower his etn's trajectory for the full season but i think etn is capable athletically and with just the team's makeup to come in and dominate and show that he is talented enough to be a number one i know there were some issues with robinson last year with the with that team obviously there's it, issues with everybody yeah, in that it really team. wasn't the team i want to say it was more of a the coach, if you will. I'm hoping. <laughs> I mean, we talk about guys getting moved. You know, you know Ur- Urban Maya just from day one just seemed like such a cancer there. He f- he hit a kicker. He kicked. A he kicker. kicked a kicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Travis Etienne was the biggest questionable draft pick by any coach I've ever even fathomed because you're coming, you're inheriting a team. Where James Robinson, who was a, an undrafted free agent, dragged his nuts on just, people. Just, just he pulled like an Arian Foster type rookie season. He was just phenomenal. Out he of could nowhere, pass, he could run. He was making guys miss. You, you gave him the ball. He made magic happen. You remind me of Reese Jones, Drew, for them. Yeah, and and then it wasn't even like Travis Etienne was like a third round pick or a fourth round pick. Well, you know what I mean, like a safety blanket. Like maybe we caught, caught bottle in a fight with Robinson for a year and. Let, let's draft this guy and see what happens. No, he was a first-round pick, and he was a high first-round pick. And it was just, what are you doing? And then Urban Maya just, that whole thing was a mess. So I, I have a lot of faith in Jacksonville. I don't think they're as bad as they look, and I don't think they're as bad as they are on paper. I think coming into this year, I think we see good good things from Jacksonville, not great things. And one of them being Travis Etienne. I definitely agree. I think that you'll see a lot of upside with their skill. They have youth. They have players that want to be there. I think if they can get a coaching staff that doesn't just walk around with, with their head up their ass trying to get girls at bars and you have a wife at home, yep. um, I think that they're poised to make at least a, 50, you know, a, a 500 season, if not one or two wins above that. Yeah, I'm and not I saying, would yeah, really love to see ETN be a major part of that. I think ETN could... ETN right now we ha- we have him consensus at twenty one, I ranked him at twenty two. 
23 for me. Matt ranked him at 23. Um, you know what I mean? That's low-end RB2. There is no reason why ETN can't come back with a fresh set of legs, a new coaching staff, and just an overall new environment that he dodged his rookie year. There's no reason why he can't finish as a high-end RB2. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? There's no reason why he can't beat out a lot of other people who we have higher on the list. And uh, one of those guys, I think is the next guy we're going to talk about. But you put up your finger, and you were going to say something, so I'm going to stop. Because I actually want to talk about this this guy first because I'm very interested in his situation. I had him a little higher than you. He had, he ended right where you have him ranked. Yep. Talking about Josh Jacobs in Vegas. Now, before you put your point, I just want to throw this um, label on him real quick, if you will. Uh, Scrumptious. You're right. (laughs) I I fell victim of this with our wide receiver rankings. Uh, Much like Brandon Cooks, I think Josh Jacobs is the most disrespected running back in the game right now. I won't call him the most disrespected. I'll call him one of the most forgotten and overlooked. Not disrespected. I feel like people just genuinely didn't look at Vegas. Yeah. Um, I don't think they forgot. right. Well, well, it's weird because if you look over the past two seasons, it was very strange his, his usage. They got you know, they used him two years ago as like a twenty carries minimum a game. Yeah, he was the workhorse. He was the bell cow, no questions. Last year they brought in uh, Naeem Hines. No, wasn't it Hines? Who's the name? Drake. Drake. I always fucking mix it. I don't know why they've nothing to do with they're, each other. <laughs> the names don't even sound no, similar. But I always forget. I don't. I don't know why they brought in Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake came out as like that shifty scat back that I, I always describe as, and, and the pass catcher. And he was coming off a and, hot, hot see, uh, previous season with Arizona when he went there. And then he and he proved uh, he he proved in times when Jacobs was struggling or had injuries last year, he could be a feasible starting back. They were used very differently. Yeah. Kind of like Saquon Barkley and Devin Booker. Yeah. Who I'm sure you know maybe we'll get to at some point, but. Uh, with with Josh Jacobs, especially with the addition now of Devonte of Devonte Adams, yeah, and that connection that Derek Carr and him had in college and will no doubt still have, I just I'm worried because I mean your top receiver last year was Hunter fucking Renfro, yeah, and so you're you're, you're getting you're going from a C maybe to an A plus in uh, receiver. Oh, hands down. So my only concern is with the emergence of you know Devonte Adams. With the emergence of the league as a whole, liking the two running back sets and having that pass catching back, will Josh Jacobs lose opportunity to Kenyon Drake or whoever else they have because they want to get let Derek Carr do more of that, you know, passing whether it be shotgun or whatever it is, and give him more of the opportunity to to release the ball, or will they still give Josh Jacobs the twenty touches? Because from what I recall, he's kind of useless in the pass game. He's not bad. Uh, his catch. Uh, percentage like per target or whatever not on the top of my head I don't have the numbers in front of me he's pretty good when he gets targeted Um, when I said he's the most disrespected running back currently in football he's had nothing but thousand yard seasons Um, like overall like complete yardage Uh, you know what I mean he does find the end zone Uh, what are you pointing at so in, in regards, read his stats from last I was gonna say, year, in regards guy. to your reception or to your catching, he had 217 touches, 872 yards, nine touchdowns, 54k 
catches on 64 targets for 348 and no and no um, touchdowns. Yeah. So it's not terrible in the you know the the targets for for running backs in that aspect, but you also didn't have a number one receiver aside from Hunter Renfro. So now you've added Devontae Adams and you have the Kenyon Drake and the and Ren, and Renfro's your number two. I just I think sixty four is probably going to be the max. You know, sixty four sixty five is going to be the max receptions or targets, I should say. Josh Jacobs is going to see. I don't think that number will rise, if at all. I completely agree. Uh, in the rushing aspect, like what he's done throughout his career, has been fairly consistent. Um, with the addition of Devontae Adams to the Raiders, I wholeheartedly believe the only one that goes uneffe- not unaffected but minimally affected is Josh Jacobs. I think, you know, Hunter Renfro takes a blow. I think Darren Waller takes a blow. I think everyone around them takes a blow. I think Josh Jacobs does what he does because now they have McDaniels. And McDaniels is fantastic with finding ways of using running backs in the passing game and the short screens and the dump offs. Like, that's his specialty. And we've seen it with the Brandon Boldens, who's now in in Vegas. Um, We've seen it with, you know, the James White, the Danny Woodhead, like all these different scat backs and how integrated that Josh McDaniels works them into the offense. Um, So... I think Josh Jacobs, where we have him, is phenomenal. Uh, there's no reason why he can't go up. I, I I think we saw his floor last year, and I think he goes up. And his floor last year was he finished at 11th in a full PPR. Granted that, like, injuries in the league and all that shit, but I like Josh Jacobs. 20 is where we got him. I had him ranked at 20. I had him at 17, and my last caveat is... What I'd love to see, and I think would be the most ideal, would be red zone usage. Usage is you look for Adams and Waller because they're the big bodies, yep. and you give it to Jacobs and let him pound it. Yeah, I you, think you let him be your goal line short yardage in the red zone specifically. Yeah, and I, I if if they use him like that, I love it. If they try to air it out more, then it hurts. I completely agree. Um, I was. I had a point on the tip of my tongue, and I just completely forgot it. Um, But that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a break real quick. We're going to give you a word from us through our sponsorship, the only sponsor we really got, Anchor. I know y'all done fucking tired of hearing this recording, but we got to play it. So we're going to put that up next. We're going to work on recording a new one. Maybe do something different every couple of weeks. Just saying, for any of y'all that are really tired of it, if you even have your own small business or whatever, give us a different commercial to film then. Just saying. Or, or if you if you want to get in on the Anchor app, you know what I mean? Fucking give me a phone call, dude. Let's record something. Let's make it a three-way. Giggity. Giggity. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, we're recording now. Um, what a coincidence. We're back from that break. Uh, Moses, I got... Two questions for you. Actually, they're more of two dad jokes. Oh, God. Um, what's got four wheels and flies? A shitty bus. A dump truck. Hey! Hey! All right. Uh, you consider yourself a musician. Uh, you play a mean skin flute. Shout out, Tina. Tina! Um, Thanks for the lessons, by the way, yep, Sean. No problem. Anytime. I'm 
glad to assist. Assist. He's a very hands-on uh, teacher. Yep. Yeah, you know. Back uh, I didn't know who that guy was you showed me on, but <laughs> he seemed happy. All right. Uh, what do you call a cow who's in a band? Utter uh, disbelief. I don't know. A musician. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. All right. Let's get back into the rankings. We're going to jump right into 19 right quick with uh, the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. With Mr. David Montgomery. I've, I had him at 17. I had him at 19, so I've, I'm just that good. I mean, I, I guess you know what you're doing. I mean, you had Jacobs down, so yep. you know, we're even. It is what it is. Um, David Montgomery uh, showed in 2020 towards the end of the season just how good he was uh, going into 2021. I think he was underutilized. Then he got injured, and uh, Khalil Herbert and company took over, and they looked pretty good. And then David Montgomery came back and said, you know what? This is my fucking backfield. Hold my nuggets. Suck my dick. And he did just that, and he performed towards the end of the season. Uh, He helped win a lot of championships. Um, Even missing time, he still finished as a a mid-range RB2. Uh, He actually finished 19th, which is where we have him ranked currently. What a coinkydink. The only downside... I would say about David Montgomery this year is the fact that he's still playing for the Bears. Yeah, so that's kind of my big caveat with that. I mean, I've, you know, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to Montgomery because the Bears have just been a dumpster fire as of late. And uh, you know, it, it it took it took for me to actually look into his stats for this list to even realize that he could be <coughs> top twenty-five. My my biggest concern. Were you choking on your words over there? I was because my, my even my own body doesn't want to hear me talk about David Montgomery, but I have to. I had to put some respect on that name at least for a top twenty finish, um, you know, last year and predictive this year. It's just with the Bears, you know, they they have. I think. Can you it, say it correctly, please? The, the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Is it Darnell or Darrell Mooney? Uh, Darnell Mooney. Yeah, Darnell Mooney. You know, he has good upside, but. Outside of that, I think the number two is is you know uh, sour cream Pringle. and Pringle, Pringle, sour cream and Pringle. They did nothing. Uh, Justin Fields being the tenth overall draft pick and the Bears selling their fucking soul to move up and grab him did nothing to put people around him. Did absolutely nothing. If, if anything, they did worse because they chased yeah. Allen Robinson away. Yeah. What blows my mind is, I mean, granted, I know it's a new coaching regime that's coming in there. But Matt Nagy, yeah, he drafted, you know, Justin Fields and all this stuff, and he tried to build that core. Um, but to do nothing to help such a young, hopeful talent with so much upside in the passing game and the running game, to do nothing just hurts that entire offense. If they were, you know, this young with an O-line ranking in the top half of the league, yeah, no. I would be way more optimistic in saying that, if even if they got into you know some trouble, they could give it to the running back and, and get some room and all that. They're twenty fourth O line ranking so for this season, so one of the bottom teams. So, so so what you're telling me is that they're a top half offensively ranked team in the bottom tier. Exactly, <laughs> which is like being the smartest kid in special ed. <laughs> it, so to me, it's just there's too many uncertainties on that team. Who's gonna step up? How it's gonna gel and I'd love to see Montgomery do better, 
but I fear that unless that the, the, that team can get their head collectively out of the same ass, or at least collectively in the I should say collectively collectively in the, the same, same ass, ass. Yeah. that's fine. Just be on the same page somewhere. Until I see that, I really can't feel confident putting him any higher than that. I know I know a lot of people have Mooney high up on their list for what he's done and what he can do. Um, realistically, with the way the Bears' offense is looking going into the season and going into OTAs and the preseason, it, like obviously things change as the season progresses, but David Montgomery is probably the only player I touch on that entire offense, and that includes Fields, Mooney, Oh, absolutely. Like, the whole nine yards, Cole Komet, like, everyone. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I eat my words and they do gel and Mooney proves it. But to me, he just shows, you know, he shows picturesque of a guy that would do great as, you know, one more year of a number two to really continue to learn and grow. Because, in my opinion, he didn't really get a year as a number two because, yes, Allen Robinson was better on the depth chart and is better – Overall, but we Fields are, and him did not gel at fucking all. I don't think it was so much of them <laughs> gelling. I think Robinson, after getting franchised um, and not getting a contract extension, I think he just mentally checked out the second he got his first injury. I think he was like, all right, I'll nurse this back. I'll play when you need me to. But I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I mean, Time to move on. And ho- I, I honestly... I, I hate to say this to the Chicago fans that are listening. Uh, David Montgomery did not get his option picked up. I hope he leaves. You know what I mean? I hope he goes to an offense that better suits him. Uh, we had mentioned this team before, Seattle. You know what I mean? I think that ground and pound, you know, heavy body, you know, style runner that he is could be beneficial to a team like Seattle. See, I would like to actually see him go to one team that's made a few moves this offseason already that I think – is only a running back away. They have 800 question marks at running back this year. I think if he went to a team like Miami, yeah, and that 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 Miami if, went if, with him yeah. as the number one, chose one of their 17 other guys as a number two, and just had that clear number one to partner with that offense. I think that would be a team he could thrive on because yeah, they're young, they're up and coming, and you have to yeah. respect the pass with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Jacecki. So you couldn't stack the box like you can do against a team like Chicago because, especially last year where Justin Fields was a rookie, you know what's the best thing you can do against that rookie? Shake him the fuck up. So what are you yeah. gonna do? Stack the box, get in his grill, because that was already happening with such a, a porous defensive or offensive line. You didn't even get a chance to give Montgomery the ball to get space to give Justin Fields time to get and comfortable. And he still made things work. Like I said, he missed a ton of games, but he still finished as an a, a top mid, twenty, a mid-end RB two. You know what I mean? He finished nineteenth in a full PPR. Um, speaking of porous fucking line play, speaking about the one that fucking hurt me the most. <laughs> uh, I've loved this man since his rookie year. You can ask Moses. You can ask. Anyone in our leagues, Eric, Joey, any one of them. When I had this man on my team, I would not move on from him to save my soul. I traded for him last year with all the shit going on. Yeah. Granted, I got Damian Harris as well and I got the insurance. I was still willing to sit with Derrick Henry on IR and hope that this guy could be what we both know he's capable of being. Yeah. 
Talk about Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley for the Giants. I had him at 16. I had him at 20. Yeah. I wanted to put him higher. Yeah. And let's not forget, he finished as the number one overall RB1 uh, back in his rookie year. You know what I mean? He just f- flat out <clears throat> dominated. And then it's just been one unfortunate injury after the other with this man. No, here's the problem. Unfortunate is an understatement. As I stated, I factor in injuries in my running backs you know, a lot more than, than normal. We talked about this off air. Saquon is a specific breed for injuries. We, you know, we talk fluke injuries. We talk you know, injuries. We usually mean a lingering Typically, a soft tissue injury of some sort, a or a bone bruise. Yeah, tw- yeah. Uh, for, you know, Leonard Fournette was known for having a twisted ankle for three years in a row, like yeah. stuff like that. Saquon Barkley's injuries are all, if not most, an example of just shit timing, and usually his own fucking team. Yeah, hurting him. They're, they're, if you go back and you watch some film on his injuries, there's different points in his career where he makes a filthy jump cut, he takes it for an extra 10 yards, and he looks like the Saquon of rookie year. And then you get some fat fucking O-lineman falling on his leg, or you've got an opposing teammate that he steps on and rolls an ankle or blows out an AC. It's just, this kid has had unfortunate events. I'm going to, he's no longer Saquon Barkley. He's fucking Lemony Snicket. Basically, yeah, he's just a he's series. Teflon Bar- yeah. Barkley. He's a series of unfortunate events. Um, he finished thirtieth overall, which is very unlike Saquon. But you got to factor in the amount of games he missed, uh, the few games that he did go out due to injury. Um, you know what I mean? Saquon, though, we have him ranked higher than most people. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the upside. You know what I mean? Like I said, let's not forget that this man finished RB1 overall his rookie year. He shows huge potential, massive gains. He 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 can make it work. He put the ball in his hands. The injuries have just got to go away for him to produce. No, I mean, the argument could be made with Saquon Barkley that last year when Devin Booker stepped in, he had some some pretty impressive games. Um, you know, behind you know, behind that same team, so, you know, I've heard the argument. Oh, does it? You know, is it strictly a, a situational thing with them? You know, we talked about porous offensive lines in the last team. We talked about shit situations in that last team. You know, Saquon Barkley is running behind the thirty-first ranked offensive line. That's only one spot above the There's worst. There's one team worse than him. <laughs> okay, and if you put him on a top fifteen offensive line team. Yeah, just just any team that can somewhat protect or open up a gap or just not fall on this man every time he, like, you know, tucks behind a fatty. You know, and, and, and that being said, too, I know I've harped on, does that mean that he's going to be continuously getting injured? I wanted Saquon Barkley top 15, top 10, all that. It's just the fact that he keeps getting hurt, but there's just, you argued it, there's that, or you mentioned it, there's that unarguable athletic intangibles with him. Yeah. He's just a fucking specimen. If he can stay healthy, he will be an RB1 hands down. Yeah. If you draft, if you're in your draft and you've already got your RB1 and you go anchor strategy and you grab, you know, a really solid wide receiver and tight end, I would have no problem grabbing Barkley in the fourth or fifth round because that's 
you know, realistically where he's going right now, the amount of upside which you search for in those later rounds is going to be no better than Saquon Barkley anywhere around him. What I would do personally, if I'm someone that is getting that, you know, let's let's just use 10, 10, man league, 10, 10 team league just for the sake of the argument. Yeah. If I have that 8, 9, 10th pick, I'm more than happy taking a guy like Saquon Barkley as my RB2 and then at that flip taking someone that we talked about like a Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, or Eliza Mitchell who also might have some injury concern but younger and less of those concerns. Younger, more able to bounce back and you know? a ton of upside. <clears throat> or even, you know, for me, a guy like, and you know, because we have a few honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list. Yeah. But like, that might be a time where I take Saquon Barkley and then take that turn and immediately get myself a Damian Harris or a Kareem Hunt. You know, Kareem Hunt's a guy who has a, 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 a very limited ceiling with Nick Chubb being on in the team. Him, yeah. But <clears throat> could fill in your flex no problems. Because of his pass catching ability. And the minute Chubb goes down, yeah. Hunt's an RB, a high RB2, low RB1 minimum. See, that's my argument. Is I don't think he's got that RB1 upside like he did when he was with KC. He's a lot older, but when Chubb did go down last season, Kareem Hunt did not show that RB1 upside like we like we wanted that, to see. He, he also we was saw coming Darius off an injury. Johnson take over that Nick Chubb role, and Kareem Hunt stay right where he was with a little added volume. Well, I... The, the point that I'm making is a guy like Damian yeah. Harris, a guy like Kareem Hunt that's going to have that limited ceiling, but also limited floor. Yeah. I would, you know, I'd be very happy with with that because best case scenario, you got Saquon Barkley for a whole year and you have that RB3 in your in your flex. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you're not left stranded. Yeah. You know, I had Derrick Henry last year and I lost Derrick Henry and was able to secure Damian Harris and a Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley and that's exactly what I'd be looking for in the draft this coming year. That that Amazing ceiling, but also huge wild card. Saquon Barkley to me might be the biggest wild card as a running back this, this year. year. Yeah, oh, I completely <clears throat> agree. When we talk about upside on these, you know, injury-prone players that are still younger and they have that, you know, league-winning potential. Uh, I'm not telling you to go out and seek these players. I'm not telling you with your first overall pick to take Christian McCaffrey and then follow it up with a Saquon Barkley. Yeah, if they both pan out and they both play like we think they can play, that's league-winning potential, like Hands domination. Down. But there's so much risk factor. You could also end up with and offensive lines and how shitty the team is around them that you could wind up being a last-place team. Yeah, you could wind up, you know, week fucking 12, you're running Chase Edmonds and Michael Carter Jr. Yeah, because they, you, that's all you can get because off the you, you banked too heavy on those two guys. So yeah. we're saying to... You know, the when we're talking this low in our in our rankings, these are guys who we think would have steady floors, but could potentially bust out and and really you know speaking, bust down and and get your eagle on, girl. Yeah. If I may. Speaking of busting down and busting out and all that other good stuff, this gonna, is a guy you love. We're gonna move up to seventeen. This was my champion moving last on year. Up, moving uh, on up. He finished. His rookie year with the 11th overall in a PPR format. He finished last year with the 12th overall PPR in a format. 
Um, I called him a poor man's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he had a great, great rookie season. We're talking about Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson for the, the Washington, Washington Commanders. Yep. Uh, the unfortunate thing with Gibson after his rookie season, uh, he got injured towards the end of his rookie season. And then coming into last year, you could tell he was just never fully healthy. But he played with a lingering issue all year long. Um, they, they lingering used... issue? He had a broken fucking shin. <laughs> That's a pretty big fucking lingering issue. But he played through it. He shouldn't have. I, exactly. I know. But it was kind of one of those, do you play through it and deal with the pain management? Or do you shut yourself down for the season? And he chose to play through it. Um, he still finished, you know, 12th overall in a full PPR, which is is great with all the injuries that went on. And then you add in the factor with J.D. McKissick, who took every passing snap pretty much from Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson is no sh like schmuck when it comes to the passing game because he's a converted wide receiver from college. You know what I mean? He's got so much upside, and I really just want Ron Rivera to use him accordingly and stop spreading it out so much you you had a young christian mccaffrey who just dominated and you know what that looks like do that with antonio gibson please for the love of god and just let this man thrive and give him what he should be given and stop spreading the ball out with these fucking has-beens um i have him at 18 Matt's got him at 16. Matt's sneezing uh, he's right now. He's also got two sneezes into his chest. God bless you. Three, we're good. May God I was waiting on mercy. that third yeah. one. May God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, we'll see. Just like Antonio Gibson, uh, when I say may God have mercy on his soul, he's he got the shit. 21st overall offensive line rank, which is not dead smack in the middle, but it's pretty fucking close. Um, anything you want to add to Antonio Gibson? And, and so Antonio Gibson... You tried to, you know, move him to me so many times last year for a Derrick Henry type move, mm -hmm. and I kept telling you, if not for that shin, I probably, I probably would have made that move. It was just the the lingering injury. I really didn't like that he played through that. I was waiting, and I and I'm I'm glad we never experienced it. Yep. But I was I was waiting every time he got hit to just hear that snap and see that thing sticking out. So I'm glad that he got the off season. I'm. I mean, you know, like you said, it. He's he's a converted wide receiver to running back, so his hands aren't a, aren't the problem, aren't a discussion. I think the biggest reason you saw J.D. McKissick taking those those uh, snaps on you know in the receiving game is because Ron Rivera, being the, the the coach he is, he's been around long enough. He's dealt with all these different players and, and, and personnel. I think he respected Antonio Gibson for wanting to play through that and still wanting to be part of the team. Yeah. So as a caveat to that, he said, "Okay, fine." I'll let you run the ball, yeah. but you're not getting any unnecessary touches, and that const that includes, you know, going out for the screen passes and being that scat back. I'm I'm <clears throat> I think that the smart play, especially with Carson Wentz, you know, at quarterback this year instead of whoever the fuck they had last year, whose name I forget right Tyler, now. Thank you. God damn. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think aside from you know, I think now that you have a quarterback who's at least more proven. And you know, more willing to sling it and be involved like that. I think you're gonna see, and I hope you see Antonio Gibson 
being used more as that Austin Eckler type back. Yeah. Where, you know, he's not getting the direct handoff. He's getting more of that quick little dump and then run. Yeah. Um, I think he has potential to, to do much better than 16, especially if he can remain healthy. But at the same time, I, I'm always nervous when players play through injuries, especially fractures and stress fractures, things like that, because you're weakening the integrity of that bone. See, I, I think he wanted to play through it because, like I said, McKissick took over a lot of the passing down duties. I feel like Gibson felt like he had something to prove because Washington isn't wasn't afraid to try to mix in other running backs. Um, they did have Darius guys for a very small stint. Fuck that guy. Um, but that being said, I think Antonio Gibson does have that upside to reach RB1 status if he's used correctly. I think Ron Rivera has it in him. You know what I mean? We've seen it with Christian McCaffrey. We've, we've seen it with, you know, D'Angelo Williams and other, you know, passing scat fucking do-it-all running backs uh, that R- Rivera has coached in the past. Um, but speaking of snap... Crackle and pop. This motherfucker's leg did that. <laughs> Cam fucking Acres coming in the at number our, 16. Our 16th ranking. Your 19, my 14. If I recall correctly, didn't he kind of set off the uh, the running back injury frenzy of last year? Yeah, he was the first one to go down and out with the Achilles. And a big one because he was he was being looked at as a yeah. big name last he, year. He was looked at as a huge <laughs> name coming in. Um, he was looked at as the next Todd Gurley. And fucking the next Todd Gurley he was. Got uh, hurt and said, fuck it. The immediate fucking Achilles injury. Uh, there was a lot of skepticism when he came back. And when he came back and played in the playoffs, he looked like shit. He looked, he looked like he hadn't. And granted, he looked like he hadn't played football in a year. And he basically hadn't. No. You know what I mean? He <clears throat> injured her early on. And that was the fastest recovery back to the field. That I've ever seen from a player who suffers an Achilles injury. I don't know what his doctor did to him, but that dude was a miracle worker. <clears throat> Cocaine's um, a hell of a drug. I I had, you know, Cam Akers at 19. Uh, Matt had him at 14. Consensus, we put him at 16. He is running behind a great offensive line, uh, the ninth overall ranked. Um, the only skepticism I have with Cam Akers is every player that we've seen that tears their Achilles... Uh, it, it takes, you know, roughly two seasons until we see them even be a shadow of their former self. And in those first two years, they're more of a shell because you lose so much burst and so much speed and cut and quickness and everything that comes with, you know, that, that, that power that you get from your legs, especially in a running back. It, just, it hurts. So, and that's the exact reason, you know, the, the, the problem I had with ranking Cam Akers is because, you know, on one hand, he's behind an absolutely stacked offense. You have Cooper Cup, who's been consistently the best receiver in football two years running. You added Allen Robinson. You got Van Jefferson still. You got some running backs. You got tight ends. You got big dick Matt Stafford slinging it around. You know, he has the weapons on that team to be a, a big, powerful tool for them. I've also said to you on several occasions that an Achilles injury is one of my scariest fucking injuries. For those of you that don't know, and no, I'm not a doctor, but I will show you some stuff, uh, mostly black market, you know, behind the dumpster bullshit, but 
Cam Akers, you know, with that Achilles, Achilles is essentially an elastic band being pulled from your ass to your fucking Achilles. When that snaps, it retracts to your ass cheek. And you basically have to pull that elastic back, pin it and secure it, and hope that it heals properly. It's a very likely injury to, re, to re-injure, especially when you're at a position where you need to make sudden cuts and breaks and changes and put a lot of pressure on your feet, ankles, and legs. So I'm just, I mean, he's young enough where he can heal and bounce back, but anytime there's a major injury like the Achilles of something uh, and of that nature, I'm just very hesitant on the, reco- the full recovery, like you said, yeah. getting that explosiveness, getting that, you know, just that overall full ability back to 100 and not 85 to 90 because especially at a position like running back where there's people chomping at the bits they got my boy jake funk riding his ass <laughs> you know if you if you go from 100 to 85 to 90 percent that's not good enough to start anymore no and um another thing i wanted to add to that is uh we have cam Akers higher on the list than than most people out there that do these types of things and have a podcast and make lists and all this other shit. We're fucking cooler. Um, You know what I mean? Sean McVay saw enough in that small sample that he got at the end of the year where he said, all right, Cam Akers, you're my guy. Uh, We're going to move on from Sony Michelle, who's now in Miami. Uh, Good for him. Uh, but the way Sean Enjoy the next two yeah, years. You're, you're done after that. The way Sean McVay runs his backfield, a lot of people are scared that Cam Akers and Henderson, you're going to see like a committee. I highly disagree. Uh, and, and my main backing for that is when Todd Gurley was there, it was the Todd Gurley show and no one else. Even when you started to hear the arthritis in his knees and this, that, and the other thing. Um, when Cam Makers went down, it was the Darrell Henderson show, and that was it. When Henderson went down, it was the Sony Michelle show, and that was it. Now, when Henderson came back and they were both healthy, it wasn't like a 50-50 split. It was all Henderson and nothing. When Cam Makers came back, there was like the 70-30 split, but it was pretty much the Cam Makers show, and that was it. Sean McVay likes to have that one solid running back, and that's his guy. Uh, he he doesn't come off as a committee coach, like a, a Bellatrix <clears throat> or shenanigans or anything like that. So I'm glad you kind of touched on that because the one piece I have, you know, to, to look at why why I think Cam Akers will be a heavy part of that offense is he was hurt all season. All season they had to run some kind of combination of Darrell of Darrell uh, Darrell is it Darrell or Darrell 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 Henderson and Sony Michelle. But as soon as Cam Akers was able to come back from that injury, he got put back in into that committee. Yeah, it wasn't I think, worked back in or anything. I, just, yeah, yeah go, he was back in. Go. I think that if if McVeigh wasn't confident in Akers being the number one, he would have just been like, "Listen, we made it this far with these two guys. We're gonna have you sit back out yeah. and just we're gonna ride the hot hand." Yeah, quote unquote. Nope, he said, "Fuck no. it, I don't care. Our team's rumbling and bumbling. We're still throwing you in." Yeah, you're my guy. Let's go now. With that, I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna transition right to our number 15 guy. I had him at 18. You had him at 15. Uh, a lot of people, I'm sure, will have some varying opinions on on this fine gentleman. He's running behind the the f- first ranked, as you wrote, the f- one RST, f- one Hurst. I I can't even say that. This is what happens when you talk to me when I try to put numbers in. You can't spell regardless. Why? Because I put in X in Jacksonville. And you spelled Chiefs E I F. So, I, yeah. 
Fat fingers, all right? Relax. So, we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott over here. He's he running behind the first <laughs> offensive line rank. What is your name? Ezekiel! <laughs> Fuck you, Ezekiel! <laughs> that, that's, I, I'm pretty sure that audio is actually a recording of Tony Pollard prank calling Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. But uh, our man Zeke... Finished the year seventh overall, which surprised me. He cracked the thousand yard mark yet again. Also surprised me. Uh, I have him at fourteen. Got him at eighteen. Consensus, we put him at fifteen. I think it's low on Zeke. Um, a lot of people don't realize, like Zeke came out and he was on fire the first four games, and then everyone's like, "Oh, you know, he's slowed down. He's showing signs of you know regression. Uh, he's hitting that cliff." Uh, Tony Pollard's going to take off. He's the next best thing. False. Everything that I just said was fucking false. Yeah, he was phenomenal for those first four games. And everyone that had him was like, yeah, I got Zeke back. I got Zeke. This is a fucking steal. What they don't realize is this man tore his pectoral muscle. He tore his PCL and played through it and played through it like a fucking champ. And, yeah, he wound up splitting time with Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard took more of the passing work and all that stuff. But for a man to play injured through the entire season and still cap the 1,000-yard mark, still cap, you know, a top seven finish, speaks volumes. And he's only 26. You know what I mean? He's still got and, and can rewind that. He's only 26. He's only 26. And most people say that that RB falloff age is 27, 28. So you're looking at if he comes back healthy and he comes back to form and he's part of the most high-powered offense in the entire NFL, running behind the first offensive line rank, that's a steal. You know what I mean? Ezekiel Elliott has – I could see finishing top five if he stays healthy and gets his legs under him. There's no reason why he can't. And the whole fucking split in time with Tony Pollard, I throw that shit right out the window. So I'm going to catch it out the window and bring it back in the studio yep. because I can't. And that's, you know, Zeke is one of those guys that hurt me to rank solo. I fought myself to rank him higher. Um, I just, I'm a big eye test person. And yeah, you mentioned him, him playing hurt through all that. I'll be honest, I don't think that was so much him being tough and capable. I think that was him realizing that Tony Pollard's chomping on his heels. Tony Pollard might not be the, the you know, north-south power back that Zeke is, but he's that shifty, again, Austin, Austin Eckler type guy that can take handoffs or take the pass, get him in open space, and let him do his thing. So I think that Zeke realized, hey, listen, if I'm hurt and miss time like this, I might lose my fucking job. And I, and. I don't mean lose his job in the sense of he'll be off the fucking team. Yeah. But I think that at least for the remainder of the season and then they reevaluate from there, I think that would have enabled Tony Pollard to come in and be the number one and then finish with, with Zeke as a number two. Now, he's physically capable of being a top ten. I won't put him top five anymore at, at this point with the, the number of other guys in the league. But I just, I don't know, there's something about Zeke with the situation now with Pollard you know, Cooper's you know moving on from Cooper, making Lamb the number one, having the guys behind him, and then Pollard emerging as that, you know, scat back that we've talked about. I really think that that's gonna affect Zeke's um, touches, and I think that he's such an emotionally charged player that 
as things start to affect his touches, it'll start affecting him in the locker room and his play and interactions with his teammates. See, the reason why I said throw all of Tony Pollard's shit right out the window, and you said the eyeball test, and I'm glad you said that, a lot of people just look at the numbers. A lot of people look at the finished product, and the numbers in the finished product for Tony Pollard says, yes, he's chomping at the bits on Ezekiel Elliott. He's right at the door. He's knocking on it. He's asking to come in, and Zeke doesn't know if he wants to open it. Now, I watched quite a few Dallas games last year, and what I seen from Tony Pollard was an explosive play. Like you said, get him into the open field. He's shifty. He can move around. He can make a good play. What I also saw was him get stuffed a lot. And that's why I say throw that shit out the window because any player in open space in the NFL can make a big play. And that's why they're in the NFL. Um, I still think Zeke has maybe one, two years left where he's still a dominant force. Not dominant like he was early in his career or he was, you know, back in 2018, 2019. Um, but I, I still think he does enough to warrant RB1 status. I just can't put him there yet until we start seeing it again. One more thing I forgot to mention is I'm worried about the overall usage of Zeke. I mean, you see these guys that get just these tremendous amount of touches early on and continue throughout their career, and it feels like they do good, they do good, and then there just seems to be that season where they hit a wall and they get hurt the whole season, or there's that lingering injury that keeps hitting, and I feel like Zeke is due for that. I mean, I just pulled these stats up, but in going back from 2016, as far as rushing attempts, this is just rushing, nothing to do with, you know, with you know, receptions and all that. Three, uh, 322 attempts, 242, 304, 301, 244, and 237. Since 2016, so literally one, two, three, four, five, six years, he has over 1,600 attempts. Yeah. My concern is that at this point, he, you know, he, he's due, just like cars need maintenance, he's due for a fucking oil change at this point. I, I just feel like he's due for that season where we're going to see some stumbles and bumbles and issues and hiccups, and I think you're really going to see it be more of the Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott show due to his stumbles and bumbles, and I think that this season just might be an offseason for him, and you know he'll he'll need to reevaluate whether his health you know for health stuff in the off season re, you know rework his his regiment. I just think that this season's going to be a hiccup for him. I I can't give you any other reasons outside of he's just been so used the past few you know years that he's just in my opinion due. All right. Well, I'm not going to argue with you anymore on that because we're not going to see eye to eye. We're not. Uh, you know what we will do though. Move on to the next guy. We will. All right. Who do we got up? Coming up at number 14 and you know, on our list, number one in Denver's hearts for running back, Javante Williams. Javante Williams. I had him at 15. You had him at 13. That puts him right in the middle at 14. Exactly. You know, quick maths. Quick maths. Simple maths. Uh, quick math says last year, Javante Williams, if I'm not mistaken, cracked the thousand yard mark. Not too positive. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I did bring my laptop out this time. I was not fat and that lazy. However, my laptop died because I was lazy and forgot to charge it. 
You know what though? Uh, steps, okay? Steps. We brought the laptop. That was step one. <laughs> next next week we're gonna work on charging the laptop. <laughs> so Javante Williams last year came in as a favored rookie. However, he did pretty much go into a 40-60-50-50 at times split with uh, one Melvin Gordon, who is a touchdown vulture and a half. Um, Talk about a quick little fuck you. I feel like every time Javante Williams would finally get going and have a big run and get them like over the 50-yard line, yeah. they would then d- they, give they, it to Melvin Gordon they would to run. that fucking mammoth of a human being and just yeah. unlock his Hey, Javante, thanks, power. but uh, we'll take yeah. it from here. But... They to did gi- they, to give you the numbers, by the way, before you get back into yeah. this for yards. Combined, so individually he had nine hundred and three yards, but combined he did have about twelve hundred yards. Yeah, all right. So uh, as a rookie, uh, uh, yeah. So he did break the thousand yard mark. Um, a lot of people, when Melvin Gordon hit free agency, they were like, "He's going somewhere else." Otherwise, Denver would have given him a contract before this was done. And a lot of people shot Jav- uh, Dem- J- Wow, shot Javante way the fuck up their draft boards into like top five category because he's got so much talent and explosiveness and just everything around him screams success now they brought back gordon and people are hesitant um i'm a melvin gordon truther i'm a melvin gordon fan i don't think them bringing melvin back really impacts where javante was without melvin and the reason why I say that is Melvin is 29, and he he's getting old. He's getting up there. His body's taken a lot of abuse from the time the short stint that he's taken with Denver to the time that he spent with uh, San Diego at the time. Um, he is a touchdown machine. I see that fading to black. I see Melvin Gordon becoming a change of pace, a relief back to Javante Williams. I think Williams fully takes over that backfield come, you know, week four, week five. I think it's his and his alone. Um, I think Gordon becomes the afterthought and Javante takes over. Uh, The only reason why I don't see a 50-50, 60-40 split again between the two is because if Denver was that confident in Gordon, they would have signed him. They would not have waited that long to get him. They would have just locked him up for another year or two. Instead, they bring him back well into free agency, and they give him a one-year, kind of a, a one-year thank you deal, if you will. So, not approve it, just a thank you. Come back. With that, I think that them not giving Gordon a deal during the season is more on Gordon. I think he might have overvalued himself a little bit in free agency and thought he could make more. And do I think he got, you know, more like more valuable offers? Yes. Do I think they were two good teams? No. No. Nope. But you also got to factor in, too, maybe because up until the offseason, they had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. Maybe Melvin Gordon didn't want to resign, and then all of a sudden Russell Wilson comes over. He's like, hold on now. Yep. Come on so, back. So I agree with everything you said as far as what Javante Williams will become with Melvin Gordon's role becoming all that. The only problem I have with that is I see that happening not this season, but next season. I think that in today's day and age of, of running backs, I think you're kind of seeing the usage get bumped up to you know that dreaded 30 number. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if, because, I mean, Javante Williams fi- still finished 17th last year as a rookie. Yeah. Granted, there was injuries there, so I still say he would have been top 20. I have no problem putting him top 15, and I think he could be closer to that you know, 12, 11, closer to 10. 
Um, I think you'll see that that yard that usage slip because it was more 50-50 with with them. I think you'll see it more of that 60 to 65 with Javante, 35 to 40 with Melvin Gordon. And then if they do bring Melvin Gordon back next year, or whoever else they fucking bring back, it that then it will be as they the strictly complimentary change of pace role. Once Javante has you know gotten that year one and year two under his belt, I think for this year you're still gonna see Melvin Gordon get enough touches that it could potentially keep um, Javante out of out of the you know out of the top fifteen. Um, but I think fifteen is kind of right. Fifteen fourteen is right around where I had him. Because Melvin Gordon does still show flashes of being able to get that long run, get that surprising play here and there, and oh, he's still also, got plenty of explosiveness. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and also the fact that you know I think it'd be a lot in one year to transition to a completely new quarterback, both talent and style, as well as trying to set up your number one uh, running back. I think it would just alleviate that whole transition process to have the new up and coming running back with the safety blanket both getting adequate time to help Russell Wilson fully transition into that, you know, role in Denver because, you know, you can't have Russell Wilson trying to get his stride and then risk Javante Williams making a bonehead rookie year two play. You know, there's going to be times where you need, in situations where you need that veteran poison there of Melvin Gordon to ensure that you're going to have that snag-free good football. My opinion. I, yeah, I agree, and I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree in both aspects. When you say, like, sure, shorthanded, you know, solid veteran presence, yes. Um, the, f- you know, 45-55 uh, split, I think we saw that last year with him being a rookie in favor of Gordon. Um, towards the end of the season, we saw that drastic, not, not drastically flip, but we saw that lean heavily in Javante Williams' favor. Um, but that being said, I don't want to harp on it too much. We're, we're pushing that, you know, hour plus mark. So let's let's jump into our last guy on the list. Drum roll, please. Just kidding. I'm not doing a drum roll. He is, though. Courtesy a horrible one. GTI steering wheel drum roll. Yep, we got DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Swift. I never, you know, if you had told me last year that, hey, next year you'll be looking at a Detroit running back in the top 15, would have fought you probably. Yeah. Especially considering that they got Jared Goff at quarterback and a 22nd ranked O-line. Oh, that's fucking gross. But surprisingly enough, and a guy that had a couple weird injuries, nothing major, but some, some weird ones. He missed a few games. He missed a pair of games. He also missed a single game. So there was two separate instances where he did miss significant time. But he still finished as the 15th overall in a full PPR league last year. And to do that with the amount of, um, I'd call them soft injuries, not soft tissue, because it's not always soft tissue. Uh, When I say soft injuries, I mean he missed a play, he missed a drive, he missed the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, There was no surgery, there was no shit like that, but it was just injuries that take you out for a little bit here and there that add up. Now, when... You take a guy out for injuries here and there, and they add up. You tend to get that label injury-prone. Um, DeAndre Swift has great pass-catching ability. He's fast. He's shifty. He can run. You know what I mean? I, I think outside of Jamison and outside of St. Brown, he is the best offensive weapon that team has to offer. 
uh, DeAndre Swift, my best comparable running back to him in every aspect of what he is, whether it be on the field, um, what he does, even the injuries, if you will. Uh, I see him as like a Dalvin Cook-esque player just with a shitty offensive line and just a shitty team around him. If he was in uh, Minnesota, I would say their stats are interchangeable. That's how much upside DeAndre Swift has. Um, But being on Detroit, that ceiling is so capped, it sucks. Otherwise, I think we would both have DeAndre higher. So, uh, you know, you waited. You you dropped your hot take right away. I waited till our final guy for the hot take. I think Detroit is poised to surprise the fuck out of some people this year. Similar to how we said Jacksonville might finish, you know, over 500, which if you're a Jacksonville fan, I'm sure you're like, oh, my God, please. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Detroit squeaks in with a wild card playoff this year. Do they I have, think? Do I think they'll win the wild card? I don't. I don't I, that is to be determined. Would it surprise me if, based on the offensive weapons they showed last year with DeAndre Swift, I'd love to see how if Jamal Williams can be Jamal Williams for them, like like they hoped. Yeah. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I'm huge on huge for you know an underrated guy with some upside, and Jared Goff at least showed that he's that Ryan Tannehill player to me. Where he's not going to lose you the game, he's not going to win you the game, he's going to keep you in the game, and as long as one of your other star players can step up, you got it. Similar to Derrick Henry doing that for... Do I think DeAndre Swift is going to be a Derrick Henry? Oh, fuck no. No. <laughs> do I think DeAndre Swift can be the discount Detroit Derrick Henry? No. I think... I'm saying, I'm saying for the team in the sense of stepping up for them when needed. Yeah. All I right, think he right. can. See, when you said that, all I can think about is the rushing. No, no, no. I'm not you saying... Know, I'm saying... A, a Derrick Henry rushing is anywhere from, like, 1,400... No, 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 to no, no, like no, no, 1,600 yards. I'm saying, can he be the guy that, in yeah. crunch time, steps up and maybe gets the extra yards and wins, and, and wins a right, game or yeah, two there? Yeah, yeah, all right. I, I think agree, he can. And I think that Detroit as a whole... I mean, I had Swift ranked as 11. You had him as 15. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw DeAndre Swift end up as, the, as number 10 or 9. Yeah, he could finish And we just see team. him... And I think that'll be his ceiling in Detroit if he does that. And th- and that would require Detroit to just everything works for them and they do the best they can. But I'm very confident with DeAndre Swift as a, to- as a f- 10 to 15 ranked back. I think that the team has a lot more upside. They drafted great for, de- for defense and built on that. They and they're behind Dan Campbell. Yeah. They love you know, him. Detroit has the foundation, if you will. And I think a lot of production when it comes to fantasy football for DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, all that stuff. I think if Jared Goff can play above average for Jared Goff. Yeah. I think you look like you said you're looking at a 500 team, you know what I mean? Obviously it's not going to be 500 on the dot cuz there's 17 games now. But I I could see them pushing for a wild card berth like you yeah. said. I could see DeAndre, I can see St. Brown, I can see Jameson, I can see Hawkinson, and and as much as I love DJ Chark, I cannot see DJ Chark with the addition of uh, Jameson, but those four guys that I had just mentioned, I can see them all pushing top 15 production if Jared Goff plays better than Jared Goff. If he can play like he did when the Rams went to the Super Bowl and he fed um, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and he did it adequately, and he let Todd Gurley run the football, 
if you if you can get that going in Detroit and just keep the ball safe, I think you know what I mean. Detroit's going to be sneaky. I think Detroit has a lot of upside. Well, and that's kind of what I was saying with with Jared Goff. You know, he's not going to be the guy to win you the game. When he tries to be the guy to win you the game, that's when he makes those stupid fucking. Jared, when, that's when he goffs. Yeah, that's, um, that's when he. What do you call it? Ralph throws up on yourself. How could yeah. you like mesh that together? Could you be like, off? Uh, I would just say when he fucks up. Oh, all right. It sounds similar, yeah. but you know when he tries to be that guy, that's when it fucks up. When he just steps back and does his Ryan Tannehill role, his what people call and we've talked about this like the Kirk Cousins role, just to show yeah. up and be the quarterback. If he just does that and he accepts that it's going to be Hawkinson or St. Brown or someone else. If he accepts that someone else is going to step up and make the play, then I think they will, and and he plays within his means, he will help that team immensely more than if he tries to be the hero. He's not the hero ball quarterback. I was actually just going to use that phrase when yeah. you were done talking. If he could just show up and do his job and not try to be you know the Aaron Rodgers with the fucking Hail Mary let let or, your team help you yeah or or you know one of these quarterbacks that can scramble and then make a play like a Patrick Mahomes yeah throwing it through his like, fucking legs yeah. no look hitting three guys in the face yeah that, that's not going to happen just drop back f- f- look at your first option look at your second read you know what i mean go down the list and if everything's taken dump it off make the smart choice and you know what I mean? Hey, Either dump it. it off or throw it out if there's no, if there's yeah. no one open. But don't be that guy that's going to say, fuck it, I'm going to step up and throw in a triple coverage because Jared Goff, it's going to get picked. Yeah. All right, so that is our rankings. We gave you uh, extra. So instead of 24 through 13, we did 25 through 13. A little thriller, a little filler, you know, throwing it yeah. at you. Keep it nice, keep it right. Let's, uh, let's read off the list real quick on a recap. I'll start it off. We got... Brees Hall, rookie sensation in my eyes, coming in at 25. We got Miles the Sandman Sanders at 24 in Philly. We got Elijah Mitchell in San Fran coming in at 23. We got Dobby the Elf, J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore. Dobby is free. At 22. He's a free elf. Run with the football. We got Travis, I missed the best season of my life, reality show ETN, coming at 21. We got Josh Jacobs, number 20 for Vegas. We got fucking David Montgomery coming in at 19. We got Saquon, please stop getting hurt, Barkley for the Giants at number 18. (laughs) We got Antonio, just give me the fucking ball, Gibson, coming in at 17. We got Cam, my Achilles Acres. At 16 for L.A. We got Ezekiel. They don't make a cereal bowl big enough for me. Elliot coming in at 15. We got number 14, Javante. Who the fuck is this old son of a bitch, Melvin Gordon, trying to take my (laughs) carries, Williams, in Denver? And at 13, we got the wonderful DeAndre Swiffer wet jet. No relation to Taylor Swiffer wet jet. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I threw Taylor Uh, Swift in there. uh, I threw Taylor Swift in uh, there. I waited. uh, All right, so DeAndre Swift at 13. We're going to wrap this up real quick. We're going to give a big shout-out to everyone that's supporting us. It means the world. I know Sean just pointed out to me. I mean, we're we're a little over 1,600 combined plays. 
you know, we're, we're two guys sitting in a fucking Volkswagen GTI right now, doing nothing but, but promoting this through word of mouth and Facebook. So the fact that, I mean, I've been getting notifications today that I think we have 10 new members this week alone on the Facebook page. Yeah, I, I apologize to everyone because I am fucking relentless with sending out invites to try and spread the word. Uh, I gave I'm, up because everyone, yeah, everyone you, on my group just said, fuck it. it. I know you don't do it because I can see who invites who. But yeah, well, see, I, I sit down. When I try and, and they just say no three times. And every single person on my list, I send an invite. I don't pick and choose everyone. If we're friends and you can support me, I will do the same for you. And if we're friends and you want to support me, I, I would appreciate it. I know I've sent y'all invites before and they just kind of get back to me. So, um, like, please, you know, <laughs> we're stupid, but we're somewhat funny occasionally. Help us grow the show any way possible. You know? <laughs> we, love, we love doing this. We have fun. We hope you have fun listening to us. Or making fun of us. We'll take that. Yeah, any, any, any news is good news. Any propaganda is fucking propaganda. So, with that being said... We love you, FGT Nation. We do, wholeheartedly. We're going to say good night. And keep it tight. And keep it right. Let's turn out these fucking lights, bro. Gas is expensive. My car's been running the whole time. We're going to go cry. He spent $95 just, just making this damn recording. Someone help. Sterilize so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.